Is this a vocational podcast? What's yes. The, okay. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Have you not watched any of them, Peter? I, I saw like the first few seconds of Jake's. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to Speak Lord Podcast. Uh, we're recording this one on Halloween, so see if you can guess who I might be dressing as in the comments. Um, I didn't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> your guess is better than mine. Yeah, guess. Peter didn't get it, so try your best. It's, <sighs> it's not that difficult, actually. Mm. But Anyways, we're joined today by um, a good friend and fellow student at Boston College, as is our friend Peter. Hello. And he's going to be talking today about his time with uh, Focus. Um, yeah, so... Maybe just to begin, um, Peter, uh, were you always like Catholic? Did you grow up Catholic? Like, I don't know much of your story, so maybe we could start with that. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you wouldn't know much of my story. You guys, were, we just became friends yesterday. <laughs> just, just yesterday, just for the record. <laughs> I found out that they didn't hate me yesterday. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I, was, I was born Catholic, born and raised. Uh, I grew up in New Orleans, actually. And... Um, Growing up, my parents were very, very much of the type of parents who wanted me to go to church and uh, practice my religion. And so I was the kid sitting in the front of the church with my um, slacks and my dress shirt buttoned all the way to the top. Um, back then, that was cool. And so we would <laughs> literally sit in the front and I would just like sit there like looking forward at the altar the entire time. I couldn't look back. Um, and so a lot of my faith was duty-bound, and so mm-hmm. I, would, I would go to Mass because it was my duty to. I would go to confession because I had to. I would receive the Eucharist because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, I would participate in choir because I had to. And that really changed for me in college. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in college that I met my best friend, Ben Batala, who's getting married soon, oh, which wow. is great. Um, and he invited me to sing in choir with him one Sunday. And we, didn't ha- we like, didn't even know each other at that point, and he invited me to sing in the choir. And so I went, and that changed my life, because I met people who really desired to know Jesus, mm-hmm. and really desired to have a relationship with him, and they weren't weird. You know, like, <laughs> I, I think there's, like, a stereotype that Catholics yeah. are weird, but we're not. I know. We're not weird. And so when I, when I hung out with these guys, I was like, wow, these guys are not weird. This yeah. is good. Mm-hmm. And so... Shocking. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? Um, but then as we hung out more and more, I just realized that these people had an authentic joy that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And the people that I interacted with the most were actually the focused missionaries at Tulane's campus. And it was specifically one young man, his name was Tyler Weber, who was just recently um, placed at Tulane as a focused missionary who had like a really, really big impact on me. Mm-hmm. And he mentored me, taught me to pray, um, encouraged me to lead a Bible study for like eight guys, encouraged wow. me to mentor other men, and then encouraged me to apply for focus. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like I really became Catholic in college. In college, you know? wow. It was, it was definitely at a SEEK <laughs> conference, so focus holds annual conferences, mm-hmm. and it was at a SEEK conference uh, in 2015 when I was at Adoration Night, um, and I heard Father Mike Schmitz give a talk called The Hour That Would Change Your Life. Oh. It's such a great talk. Father Mike. Oh, great talk. This back this was back, awesome. This was back then, like no one really knew who he was. So this guy mm-hmm. got on the stage and I'm like, wow, he's a good looking guy. And he like <laughs> gave like this amazing talk um on the Eucharist and I was yeah, I was struck and Catholic from then on. That's incredible. So, yeah. So do you think like the duty bound kind of side of things that you talked about? Is that do you think that was like due to your Vietnamese culture or is it like was it just your family like where do you think that stemmed from? 
Yeah, I think that was partly family. Mm -hmm. um, honor and duty means a lot in my family. Mm -hmm. And so um, in order to live a good life and a, a, a pious life, a lot of it had to do with duty mm -hmm. and just making sure that I followed the rules. But I think that, that was the experience of a lot of Catholics around my age at that point, mm -hmm. you know, of like, yeah, I have to go to Mass. I have to go to Confirmation. I have to do RCAA. Mm -hmm. It's just what I have to do. And a lot of my friends also experienced that, like, duty-bound duty kind of religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I can relate to that, too. Um, and, like, growing up, like... I suppose learning all of the rules and not many reasons why Catholics did anything or why, you know, these like rules were in mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. um, and then just like having to follow, like this is just what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without understanding. You... Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Why did you become Catholic? Like, were you always Catholic? I was, yeah, I grew up Catholic. Okay. okay. That's awesome. Cradle Catholic. Yeah. Was it college also for you that was a huge turning point or was it? Um... That? I think I'd always practiced, like always gone to mass with my family. You know, we prayed the rosary at home together mm. um, as a family. Um, but I think when I was like about halfway through college, I went to a retreat with my mom. That really was the big turning point, I think, for me. Yeah. And mm. like having an authentic experience of like meeting Jesus. Yeah. Was it adoration? Um, no, it was like a healing service. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At the, the retreat that was really... It really struck me and it came at like a time in my life that was very, it was very poignant for me. So it was. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really yeah. great and haven't looked back. Just Good. like been trying to learn more since then. Yeah. And that's yeah. why you're here. And we're both that's here studying exactly. theology. We just want to know more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much to learn. It doesn't yeah. stop. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's really great. So maybe we could dive into your college experience more. Um, you talked about like the choir and the Bible study and like even learning to pray. Like what, what did that look like for you? It's a good question, Sarah. Um, I think when you're taught to pray as a kid, you're like, the first thing you're taught is usually either conversation or, or routine prayers. For me, it was routine prayers. Mm -hmm. So I was taught to say the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory be before I went to bed every single night. And there were other prayers that I'd say in between as well. But it was really in college that I learned to see Jesus as a person you could actually talk to and mm -hmm. have a relationship with. Um, that I could go to him and just tell him how I felt. And I didn't have to hold back on how I felt because he could take it. And so if, if it was a frustrating day for me, like just go in the chapel and sit with him and say, Hey Lord, like today was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, or today was a great day. You know, um, this was all the things that you've me. I'm so thankful for, but to realize that the Lord was a real person who I could, could speak with really drastically changed my prayer life. And then as I developed the habit of the holy hour, um, whenever you're mentored by a focused missionary, they kind of expect you to do certain things, um, okay. out of that relationship. And so one of those things was to do a holy hour every single day. And so I got into the habit of the holy hour, and then that just deepened that relationship from there. And I'd say the <laughs> pinnacle of prayer for me is the image of an old married couple sitting next to each other. And you notice they've been married for like 60, 70 years, but they're mm -hmm. not saying anything. They're mm -hmm. kind of just sitting there. Um, I think that's prayer, like where we sit with God, and we know each other so well, and at that point in the stage, hopefully we do, that mm -hmm. we don't really have to say anything. And the lover can look at the beloved and say, I know what you're experiencing. And the beloved can look at the lover and say, I know what you're experiencing as well. Um, and so once I reached 
once I was working through the conversational stage, it became very apparent that I was in love with prayer, not because I could just vent my feelings to this unknown God, mm-hmm. but it was because I could sit in the presence of someone who deeply loved me and mm-hmm. I deeply loved him, you know, so. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Jesus is our best friend. He is. Really, yeah. He is. He really is. And I think even deeper, he's our lover. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of, maybe a lot of men are afraid to, to really embrace that side of spirituality where it's like Jesus actually is my beloved and, mm-hmm. I, and I love him very, very deeply in that kind of spousal way. Um, but it's, it's really an exchange of hearts in prayer for mm-hmm. me. And so whether it be just sitting in silence, whether it be I actually have a lot to say today, um, I think, yeah, relationship with God in those tender moments is very key. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Beautifully put. Oh, thank That's you. That's fantastic. Thank you. No, I'm, I am studying theology, so. <laughs> Go to BC. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to BC. All right. So maybe you could tell us a bit about focus, actually, for anyone who might be watching that has never heard of focus or mm-hmm. doesn't know what they do. Yeah. So um, focus stands for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Um, our founder actually wrote this book, Making Missionary Disciples. It's a great book. Um, and it was founded in 1998. And his experience in college was very similar to mine, where he went to college and it was an invitation from a missionary, not a Catholic missionary, but a crew missionary, someone who was involved in crew, either a missionary or a student who was involved in crew, which is a non-denominational, I'm not sure the non-denominational or Protestant, not Catholic Mm -hmm. missionary organization, just Christian. Mm -hmm. And they invited him into a Bible study and he got involved. And when he left college, he realized that Christians have this awesome organization on campuses to help students grow in faith, but Catholics don't really have that. Mm-hmm. And Catholic students are falling away, yeah, by the thousands that go to college. And he also realized that in college, his experience was so formative that it changed the trajectory of his own life. And so he prayed and he prayed and he realized that God was calling him to form an organization that would send missionaries onto college campuses. And these missionaries would view college campuses as their mission field. And so they go on, they befriend students, um, actually befriend students, and then mentor them mm-hmm. and help them grow in their faith in, in a deeper way, and then encourage those students to actually go out and mentor the students to form small group Bible studies and to walk with students in the journey of prayer. Then the main, the ideal goal is that then those students would go out into the parishes and they would affect change because they've been so drastically touched mm-hmm. by God's love and by the church. Um, and so that's Focus, and so I, I came mm-hmm. into contact with Focus at Tulane University, and they were there for probably two years before I came into touch with them, and the cohort of students that I was a part of, like, really, like, we really got involved with Focus, and it was a very transformative experience for all of us. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Focus, um, I think there are Focus missionaries in Ireland now, um, mm-hmm. they're in the universities in Dublin. I'm not really sure where else, but I, I know in my final year in my undergrad, um, some focus missionaries from the US came over on their spring break oh. to my school. Um, and that was really great. I hung out with them for the whole week. Oh, I didn't leave awesome. their side for the whole week. Um, it was just so much fun. It was so great to see their witness and like, I don't know, their willingness to just like be so open about mm. their faith. And to just want to share it, like, and it, it was kind of inspiring for me to see that too. Yeah, what were their names? I honestly, I can't remember now. Uh, <laughs> I know that's, whole week that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're 
You're the worst. <laughs> it, was a, it was a few years ago, Peter. Oh, it was a few years ago. Okay, yeah. I can't fault you yeah. that one. That's okay. no. um, honestly, I can't even remember. They came from two different schools. So there was a mm. group of girls and a group of guys Were they from two trip? different schools. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I can't even remember what states they were from or anything. But they seem to have made a huge impact on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though I don't remember their yeah. names. But it was their actions that really yeah. like stuck, and isn't that the goal of it? Isn't that it the is. main point? It really is. <laughs> I actually always tell my students and the people that I've mentored, it doesn't matter if you remember who I am. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if you remember who I am, and you should strive to be forgettable as well. Mm-hmm. But what should not be forgettable is the way that you've prayed and the way that you've interacted with people and the way that you've taught them to love God. Because mm-hmm. I don't think any of my disciples, the people that I've walked with, um, or mentor in the past, but I don't remember anything I've said. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter because as long as they're praying, as long as they realize that God loves them and desires for them to share that love with other people, that's all that really matters. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, maybe it's a good thing you don't remember who they are yeah. because then I, Jesus probably shown brighter through them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. So when you first came in contact with them and you were um, being mentored, did you? Like, when did you start to think that you might want to do that yourself in the future? I actually realized pretty early on in that process that I probably would love being a missionary. I love talking to people. I love hanging out with people. I love getting to know people. Mm -hmm. And I'm very passionate about my faith. And so that combination was very apparent to me when I was being mentored and led Bible studies and found a lot of joy and passion in doing that and a lot of happiness in doing that. Um, and so a lot of us actually, I think in my graduating class, three of us became focused missionaries. Um, and then the class before us, one became a focused missionary and the class after us, two became focused missionaries. So it's just okay. very apparent <clears throat> that the focused missionaries are doing great things on campus. Yeah. Um, but I think I realized pretty early on, uh, I think later on in the process, it got a little bit more muddy because life becomes very real yeah. and you have to make decisions. And um, my decision was actually between BC or, or Focus. Okay. Um, and I ended up... When was that? Out. Like, how many years ago was that? That was my senior year. And so okay. my senior but... year, I had chose... I had applied to BC. Mm-hmm. And it was a really crazy process of applying. I was one of the youngest people applying. Um, and then I also wanted to apply for Focus, but I wasn't sure because... To be a focused missionary means you give up a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have two years of your life, you don't have a salary, you fundraise that salary. Um, and you're sent onto a campus, that, you, like on, onto a college campus that you don't know what's going to happen or what difficulties you'll face or how you'll do it, even mm-hmm. on a campus. And you're living with either a male teammate or with the team. Um, so you interact with different people trying to figure it out. So. Mm-hmm. I think there's just, there was just a lot of fear going yeah. into that process. Just a total surrender. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So eventually I chose Focus. I deferred BC for two years and chose to do Focus. So. And aren't you glad now? Because you wouldn't have met us. If you didn't no, that's true. Now. That's true. It's true. <laughs> like, I, I remember praying. I was actually in St. Clement's Eucharistic Adoration Shrine, and I was visiting BC, and my friends and I, that came with me we wanted to pray that day and so we went to that shrine and I remember just thinking wow that's a big Jesus um <laughs> and it, it was just the most surreal experience being in this very beautiful gothic looking church yeah. um I remember during that visit there was a, a father who brought his son his two sons he was carrying one son and he was holding the other son's arm and he walks in with his sons and the church is like quiet at this point and the father goes that's Jesus 
and the little boy goes, hi, Jesus. Aww. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my kids. But anyways, <laughs> and then he, like, he genuflects. So it was just the cutest thing. And then yeah. like, my friend farts himself awake um, as he's praying. But like, in the midst of all that commotion, I remember praying. And I remember the Lord's, yeah, I, I really do genuinely think it was an inspiration for the Lord. Um, it was like, you're going to be in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I took that and I said, well, I really want to say theology. I don't really want to do focus because I'm super scared. And so that just mean my that just means that I'm I'm supposed to go to Boston College. Mm-hmm. So I came back, but through grace, I couldn't make a decision. Like every single time I I approached the zone and making a decision, it was kind of like, no, no, you don't want this. Um, and so finally I went on a mission trip and Focus had already given me their offer at this point. And so this was around May or April. So I was supposed to get back to Focus and get back to BC. And on that mission trip was very apparent that God desired me to work with college students, um, just the people that I met on that trip, and the way that the ways I've been able to impact them was very much apparent of, I want you to do focus, even if it's very, very scary. And I remember getting to training. So we had train, five weeks of training for focus every single uh, year, annually. And it's probably the best times that I've ever had in my life, like mm-hmm. just around a bunch of young adult Catholics who are missionaries who mm-hmm. want to share the faith, great conversations. I remember getting there my first year and thinking, I don't belong here, and I'm very, very scared. And literally having probably like a panic attack in the parking lot as we drove into Ave Maria University, which is where we were doing our training. Mm-hmm. And my friends who were with me were trying to calm me down. And they were like, you know, let's, let's just do adoration. Like, there's adoration right now. And I remember kneeling in front of the Lord, and this, this is full circle here, kneeling in front of the Lord and saying, Lord, I am very, very scared. I don't, I don't know if this is what you're calling me to do. Um, I, I need you right now. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, just there was adoration, praise and worship going on. And in that moment, just the music kind of just faded into the background. And it was a very obvious movement of the spirit to let me know, no, this is where I want you. Yeah. Be at peace. You know, and, and from that point on, I don't think I've ever had a single doubt that this was what I was called to do. Um, so... That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure if you asked for all that, but... <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. Keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> I'm the females. I'm the females. <laughs> no, that was wonderful. Okay, well, so we first met when you were at Harvard as a missionary, right? Yeah, yeah. Cheers. So do you want to talk about your time there? Yeah. Well, I, I remember first meeting you at the uh, Cana party that we had. Yeah. You guys, all of you guys came out to the Cana party. Yeah. You and a bunch of other girls. Um and I, I, I remember seeing you guys at the STM, but I was so afraid to approach you guys. I really? Was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, they're just a bunch of girls in, in like a circle. Like, no, there's nothing more frightening than a bunch of women in a circle, like talking to each other, all dressed up. It's like, man, how am I going to get in there? Um, I remember walking intimidating. Up, it was very, very intimidating. And I remember walking up to Sadie and just like saying hello mm-hmm. and then like meeting all of you guys. Um, but yeah, that was my first year at Harvard. So you met me when I was like, just I just got there, um, and the party theme was luau. Do you remember? I, I don't, no, remember, don't remember. To be honest, oh, that's no. okay. Yeah, that's awkward. I have a bad memory. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I remember I, I, meeting I, you. I feel like it's like coming out. You know, like we're, we're coming to realize this. But no, I, I do remember meeting you. Though. Yeah, no, I, I remember meeting you yeah. guys too. Yeah. yeah, and I I remember um, just my time at Harvard was just an interesting time. So. Normally, when missionaries are placed, they're placed within their region that they graduated from. Okay. So I graduated from the South. And so what I was expecting at Focus Training, they have this whole thing called bid day. It's kind of like, it's, 
excuse me. It's kind of like a sorority bid day, you know, like a fraternity bid day. Wait, what, what does that mean? Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, so <laughs> bid <Translates>. day. <laughs> yes, very important. <laughs> Sorry. So bid day is when um, so, uh, girls find out about which sorority they got into. Okay. And it's a huge okay. thing in America. It's usually like mm -hmm. American colleges where they all rush out. They're screaming their names, and there's a lot of crying and tears. <laughs> um, it's very dramatic. Chaotic. Yeah, it's very chaotic. But the, the same thing happens on um, placement day for us. Is like it's it's okay. a huge thing. And so I remember walking out to the field and thinking, you know, I don't really know where I'm placed, but I'm gonna guess Vanderbilt. Um, that was like the school I, I thought I was gonna get placed at. I remember coming out, and my team rushed at me. Actually, I don't know they rushed. No, I took a long time because I found out I got I, I got to Har I, I got Harvard as my placement, mm -hmm. and I kind of started freaking out um, because Harvard is a very prestigious school and um, it's in Boston, so it's mm -hmm. very very sophisticated seeming. You know, I was from New Orleans. What did I know? <laughs> but yeah, just thinking to myself, wow, I'm gonna be in Boston. This is kind of insane. And thinking to myself, mm -hmm. that inspiration I heard in prayer. Like came true, but in God's way of like, yeah, yeah you're going to be a boss in either way as a student or as a missionary, you make the choice. Um, mm -hmm. And it was in kind of in that moment, rushing out to my team that I realized this was very real, that I was going to be on a team, that I was going to be going to Boston from, and I had never moved out of the state before. I'd gone nowhere. I'd wow. been in the state my entire life and wow. they were shipping me up to Boston. And so in my few years there, it was, it was just a very surreal experience, you know, just meeting all these very, very smart students, um, meeting all these very politically savvy students, students who um, were very driven in what they do, and I think that's really shaped me into to who I am today. So. Mm -hmm. so you were having a big impact on those students, but they were also impacting you in a big way. Yeah. And maybe forming you as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's very, very Even fair. Even more. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And now you're studying theology at BC. I am. I am, yeah. How is that going for you? It's going well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of my um, BC experience and desires to study are very much formed by the things I encounter on Harvard's campus. Um, each campus is different, and each campus has its own needs in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. So if you're sent to a party school, there are going to be certain vices and sins that you're going to address. If you're sent to a more... Um, intellectual schools like MIT or Harvard, you're going to have certain things you need to address as well. And so mm -hmm. just being in that environment and realizing that there was a lot of zealous students for liturgy, sacraments, but there was also a lot of doubt and fear about how faith can actually impact the world. Was God real? Um, how does prayer work if God is unchanging? Like these deep theological questions that they would bring to me, um, hoping that I'd be able to answer. Mm -hmm. And that just really showed me the power of the intellect in engaging faith. Of, Absolutely. I want to know. I want to know not only for my sake and for my own prayer, but I want to know in order to help people understand that their relationship with God is very real mm -hmm. and God is very, very real and God loves them and desires them. Um, and I think sometimes there can be an over-intellectualization of the faith. Um, with Harvard yeah. students, they like to think about these deep questions, but they don't really, they haven't yet grasped the concept of just simply God loves you. 
know? Yeah, so um, the emotional kind of side is missing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. the emotional, the experiential side. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say like all of them are missing it. There, yeah. there are so many of them who have, I've been blown away by their progress in faith and their growth in faith. I remember one student specifically, I invited him to go to like a, a focus conference six times. I texted him and called him six times. And he finally said yes. He went to the conference and his life was changed. And wow. he came back, participated in a Bible study with me, um, agreed to be mentored by me, started to pray um, 30 minutes a day, every single day. Um, he didn't miss a day probably for about a year. And he would like pray on the plane. He would pray wherever he could to make his commitment. And he started leading a Bible study for a bunch of guys as well. And I was talking to him recently. And on one of the last days, I was a focused missionary. Uh, on the last retreat, actually, that I was a focused missionary with the school. He pulled me aside and said, you know, I still have that voicemail from you where you called me three years ago and asked me to join a Bible study. Wow. And I, I, I still have it. Um, and he played it for me. And I sounded like a nervous wreck calling, <laughs> calling this freshman to ask him to a Bible study. But just to see how much he grew in that period of time really validated, um, yeah, mm -hmm. my desires to, to be a missionary and really mm -hmm. validated my desires to then do theological studies after, mm -hmm. but just not, not for the sake of the intellect, not for the sake of knowing all these things to make myself seem cooler. It's just more for the sake of them being able to like distill it down and to share it with someone who really needs to hear it. Mm -hmm. You're already cool enough anyways, Peter. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> You're down with the kids. Turtle, turtlenecks are cool. Yeah. Turtlenecks are cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point there too. Um, like saying that you were a nervous wreck or whatever, sometimes like it can be kind of frightening to reach out to someone and invite them mm -hmm. to these things. But I mean, it ultimately pays off and like, you don't know um, the effect that it could have in the end, like just by putting yourself out there and inviting your friend to go to mass or whatever it might be. Yeah. Go to a retreat, whatever. Yeah. We, so. we don't know the ways in which God will use us, mm -hmm. you know? So I was actually uh, in France for a wedding and it was a wedding of one of my best friends who was actually, um, I was discipling him at Tulane, so I was mentoring him at Tulane. Mm -hmm. He was a study abroad student. And so I mentored him for a year. He left, got married to um, his girlfriend who he met at Tulane. And I remember being there and we're at the after party. The French love to party. Okay. I think that like that party ended at like 5 a.m. It was kind of insane. But I remember being at that party and I met a, I met a girl and we were walking around and she asked me what I did. Mm -hmm. In that moment, I probably could have said, like, oh, I'm, I'm just nobody, or I just kind of do whatever in America. Mm -hmm. But, of course, I couldn't lie. I'm a missionary. So I said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a Catholic missionary. Um, and I didn't expect this from the Lord at all. Mm -hmm. And she kind of just opened up in that moment and said, you know, I don't believe in God. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this right now, God. I'm at a French wedding. We're doing this right now. And I was like, here we yeah, go. Yeah, here we go. Buckle you know? up. Like, this is like prime example of God going, okay, you're going to be here and you're going to talk to this girl and it's going to be great. And I'm yeah. like, hey, God, great. And she, we talked and I was like, you know, why? Why don't you believe in God? Um, and she said, when I was 14 years old, I saw a little baby get shot in front of my eyes. At that moment, I didn't believe. I no longer believed in God. And I could literally feel the pain in her eyes mm -hmm. as she said that. And I could literally feel the father's heart aching. And it was just to realize that, like, at that moment, he was calling me to share something with her that probably no one shared with her ever since that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what maybe caused her to drift away. But I was just like, God really, really loves you. 
very deeply. So it wasn't like this deep theological fact about the fact that like there can be evil and there's God. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a simple message of God loves you and I assure you he wants to hear from you tonight. Mm-hmm. Will you give him a shot? Like when you go back to your hotel room, like please just say a prayer, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know if she ever said that prayer, mm-hmm. but it's just the ways in which God was able to use me as a missionary, even outside the missionary context, yeah. was just insane. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even in the ma- countless amounts of times that I was able to walk around Harvard, just meeting students, students walking through the front door saying, yeah, I just need someone to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. It was it was a very blessed time in my yeah. life. And I know I just left like a few months ago, but um, it was it was definitely a, a time in which God used me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we just need to be open um, to the ways that he wants to use us and just say yes and be willing to mm-hmm. put ourselves out there. Yeah, the invitation mm-hmm. is what's most important. It's like mm-hmm. the thing that I learned from Focus is the invitation is so important. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be afraid to invite because God is at work. Yeah. Like, what do you lose from an invitation? You know, it's, it's kind of like asking a girl on a date. You know, you're like, I'm really, really scared. I don't know if I can do this. What if she says no? And it's like, no, the worst thing that she can say is no. Mm-hmm. But the best thing is she could be your wife. It's like, the, the rewards are just <laughs> astronomically <laughs> a lot better than like, um, what, what could happen wrong, what could go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, learning to meet people where they were, but also learning to like step outside my own fears and say, yeah, we come to adoration with me and realizing that if they say no, that's okay. Yeah. But if they say yes, mm-hmm. that could be their conversion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. There's so much at stake. There is. Mm-hmm. There is a lot at stake. Awesome. Yeah. So, Peter, what does it look like now for you in the future? Where do you think you're going to go? Do you have any plans for mm. when you graduate? I don't know. It's a hard question. It is a hard question. Yeah. Sarah, what, what are you going to do after you graduate? Honestly, I still have not figured it out. Dang. Graduating in, are you graduating in May as well? I'm graduating in the summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Peter. Scary. Yeah, it is. It is very scary. It's okay. You know, I've thought about it. I'm going to let the spirit lead where he wants to because he led me to focus Mm -hmm. and it turned out great. He led me to BC and it's turning out great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to let him do the leading. But I think I'd eventually love to to teach. I love teaching. What, like grade level or what Um, do you think you teach? Well, I am doing an MTS, so I eventually hope to do a PhD and teach college students. That's okay. a pipe dream, I think. Um, but, uh, co- no, high school age students aren't bad. I think, I think I'm afraid. They're okay. I, yeah, I've been very, very afraid like, to broach the topic of high school. Yeah. But I've realized that there are certain parts of my own personality and gifts that make suit well teaching high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just I just want students to know that they're loved by God. Yeah. And I just want students to know that a relationship with Jesus is very real. And I don't think a lot of students get to hear that from their teachers. And so mm-hmm. they grow very jaded by the faith and they grow very afraid of the faith. And then by the time they get to college, they just drift away. And yeah. so to, to help broach um, that period of time with good teachers, I'd like to be one of those mm-hmm. good teachers eventually. Yeah, I think you'd be a great yeah. high school teacher. Thank you. I appreciate that, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're very welcome. It was wonderful to chat to you. Yeah, it was fun chatting too. Um, maybe if you would like to give advice to anyone who's thinking about joining Focus. Oh, um, that's a good one. That's a good yeah, question. Yeah. That process. Um, hmm. Hello. Uh, potential joining of Focus. Um, I'd say 
to not be afraid, first of all. Within Focus, I, I learned a lot of skills. And it just wasn't skills of gospel presentation. It wasn't just learning to invite people. It was actually skills to be a better man in the faith. And so whether you're a man or a woman, Focus is a great place to grow in your own person as well, in your own self. Um, I learned to love deeply the students that I encountered. I learned to love deeply my team. So we're placed um, on teams of four people usually. And so you learn to deal with different personalities and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I say, first of all, don't be afraid and just know the Lord will take care of you in the process that you're undergoing. Because if it's His will, He'll do it. Um, that's been very, very true for all of my endeavors within Focus and all that I've done. So, and uh, I'm rooting for you if you do apply. So, yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, everybody, I always forget to say this. Please like our video, subscribe to our channel. <laughs> so cliche. Like their video. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe, please. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's, that's it, right? So follow us on Instagram. Um, God bless. God bless. Mm -hmm.